Now entering Nerdist.com. Hello and welcome to episode 123 of the Competitive Erotic Fan Fiction Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Cook, and you've found the Internet's number one most trusted source for Muppet boners and horny loners. Got some upcoming shows. Tomorrow, May 24th, 2015, I'll be at Reverb in Omaha for the Crom Comedy Festival. June 21st is the third anniversary slash championship edition here in Los Angeles at The Virgil. That's a free show. June 29th, we'll be back at Union Hall in Brooklyn. Today's show was recorded last year at Cromfest in Omaha and features Sean Jordan, John Michael Bond, James Fritz, Goodrich Gavart, and Kyle Kinane reading pieces they wrote based upon audience suggestions. First you'll hear me, then you'll hear them draw topics, and then we'll fast forward into the future to hear the finished pieces. Enjoy. Okay, Dwight, have fun at your little clown picnic, laughed Dwight's mom drunkenly as he filled his backpack with supplies, face paint, a fresh pack of Rizlas, a two-liter of Cherry Fago. I told you, Mom, it's not a clown picnic. It's the gathering of the Juggalos. Whatever, shit dick, said Dwight's stepdad, Dwight. <laughs> who mocked him endlessly for liking the insane clown posse when he himself owned so much kiss memorabilia, it should have been illegal. Just stay away long enough that I can smoke all your weed and drop a load in your mom. Dwight shoved Dwight out the door. <laughs> Little Dwight kicked rocks and waited by the dirt road that led to his mobile home as he waited for his friends. Before long, the diarrhea brown Toyota Camry pulled up. Get in, tarred boy, said Quinn, the driver. The rear door popped open and one of the two boys in the back got out. You ride, bitch, fuckface, said Luke. Yeah, limp dick, said Colin. They were his best friends. <laughs> this was to be Dwight's first pilgrimage to the gathering. He wedged himself in and began listening to the other four boys regale him with tales of years past. One time this chick let five dudes fuck her in the ass. Last year we all did Molly and fed a homeless guy to a Rottweiler. In 2012 we threw human shit at Tila Tequila. It sounded great. Before long they arrived at the campground and parked. Dwight got out of the Camry and looked around. He felt like he was among his people. They were everywhere. They were painted up. They were fat as shit. Which was ironic since most juggalos suffered from low birth weight. Second. It was comforting to be among his peers for the first time, but most comforting was the thick coat of white grease paint he was now applying to his face in the side view mirror. It covered Dwight's physical deformities. It made him look like everyone else. Maybe for the first time he could relax without constant fear of being bullied, he thought. But just as he began smearing on the makeup, he felt a presence behind him. He turned to see, towering over him, a shirtless, rotund youth with a full-chest, shaggy, too-dope tattoo. What the fuck is wrong with your face, he asked. My mom drank when I was a baby, Dwight replied hesitantly. It's all downhill from here. The stranger looked at him like a dog trying to do math. Dwight braced for whatever abuse he had just invited upon himself. There was a long pause before the pudgy delinquent broke the silence. Dude, that's awesome, he exclaimed. 
before turning and announcing to his crew, Yo, my boy here's been getting fucked up on the reg since he was in the womb, son. <laughs> Dwight was almost crushed in the avalanche of high fives. He felt accepted for the first time in his life. What's your name, bro? Another stranger asked. Dwight, said Dwight. That's fucking lame, yo. You need a juggalo handle, son, the stranger replied. I'll, I'll, I'll work on it, Dwight stammered. The concert that night had everything. White rappers dressed as clowns. But even through the... <laughs> even through the haze of ditch weed, vodka fago, and his own developmental disability, Dwight couldn't help but notice that the insane clown posse's lyrics seemed awfully preachy and actually borderline Christian. He tried to concentrate on the sick beats and cool makeup instead. Plus the tits. A lot of girls seemed to believe that their worth as people was based solely on their willingness to show their tits at an ICP concert. Their dads were probably pretty cool. As rad as the concert was, it was the after party that Dwight was most looking forward to. As the show ended, he and his friends made their way back and gathered around the campfire. No one had thought to gather any wood, so it was mostly wet cardboard and smoldering plastic two-liter bottles. The smell would have been overpowering if Dwight had been born with any sense of smell. <laughs> Before long, he found himself locked into eye contact with a girl across the fire pit. She wore those furry, pink, knee-length boots, thong underwear, assless chaps, suspenders, a black lacy bra, a huge hatchet man medallion, everything except clothes, basically. Her hair was done up in pink dreadlocks, and she had her nose pierced, the gross part, the middle. Her eyeliner looked like it had been applied by dipping a flaccid cock in a bucket of ink because it had. Backstage earlier by Twizted. Amazingly, the strange girl approached Dwight. She was clearly older than his 15 years. Won't your mom be upset if you miss curfew, she taunted. No, I come from a terrible home, said Dwight. Who was born without the ability to discern sarcasm. Up close, she was smoking. Like Dwight's mom when she was pregnant with him. She had everything a juggalo guy looked for in a juggalo girl. Jacked up teeth. I've never met my father. I've never met my father, she flirted. <laughs> Lucky, exclaimed Dwight. The next thing he knew, her tongue went down his throat. Dwight's dick got harder than a GED test when you have fetal alcohol syndrome. <laughs> Instinctively, Dwight shoved his hand down the front of the girl's panties. Her pussy was wetter than the ceiling tiles in Dwight's bedroom. Your pussy is wetter than the ceiling tiles in my bedroom, said Dwight. Do you have a condom, she gasped. No, 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 I have fetal alcohol syndrome, he replied. It didn't matter. She'd already produced a rubber from her bra. It had the hatchet man insignia of the ICP's own private brand, produced by whatever questionable Chinese manufacturer had the lowest bid. The irony of Chinese child laborers in an overpopulated country cranking out prophylactics only to have them shipped abroad as novelty band merchandise was lost on Dwight because he wasn't very smart. <laughs> Condoms, how do they work, he thought. <laughs> Con 
condoms, how do they work, he said. She put it on him without using her hands. It's a miracle, he thought. It's a miracle, he said. It's just a fucking boner, she scowled. It was super hot. Before he knew it, the girl was completely naked in the middle of the parking lot. She didn't care that everyone could see her. Dwight was still fully clothed because he wore his jinkos so low it wasn't necessary to remove them in order to fuck. She pushed him down on his back and joylessly rode him, reverse cowgirl style. Dwight tried to hold off from coming by reading her back tattoos. Scabby D, Crystal P, DJ Jizzy Jeff. It was a list of names. It was like the Vietnam War Memorial if all the soldiers in the Vietnam War had been illiterate white hip-hop fans from broken homes instead of heroes. By the time he got to the last name, MC Baby Fuck Party, Dwight couldn't hold off any longer and he spilled his genetically unfortunate seed into the novelty cocksock. The girl barely contained her disappointment as she dismounted. Still fully nude, she began rifling through her purse. Here, she said, as she handed him a sharpie and turned back to him, sign it. He understood at once and found a spot on her lower right back. He fought fast for the first time in his life. And in his best pseudo-graffiti scrawl, Dwight made his mark. Fetal Alki. It was the best night ever. Dwight, a.k.a. Fetal Alki, went to the gathering every year for the rest of his life. Three more years. Thank you, folks. Please get those suggestions. And please welcome your round two comics who'll be writing based upon those suggestions. John Jordan, John Michael Vaughn, James Fritz, Goodrich Gebert, and Kyle Kinane, ladies and gentlemen. Let's start with Sean Jordan. Sean Jordan, clap your hands, everybody, for Mr. Sean Jordan. All right, here's how this part works. If Sean likes the first suggestion, he can take it and run with it. If he doesn't like it, I will draw a second one, and then you guys will vote with your applause on which one he has to write. Sean, your first option is Boy Meets World. Not, you guys don't care at all. They got nothing for you. Fuck, I guess pick another one out there. All right. I want everyone to have a decent time. Uh, Thundercats. Yeah. <laughs> I heard a fuck yes. Yeah, so I guess I don't get to choose it. Who wants to see? No, you don't. You've done the show like ten times. You should know that by now. <laughs> Who wants to see her boy meets world? <laughs> Thundercats. <laughs> Thundercats it is. John Jordan. Keep it going for John Michael Bond. Uh, John, your first option is the Crom Comedy Festival. <laughs> and what? What's the other one? <laughs> Fargo. That's the next one. Cool. So, okay. Real weird crowd tonight. Who <laughs> wants to hear a fuck story about the festival you're at right now? The Crom Comedy Festival. Is there a rivalry with the city of Fargo here in Omaha? Is that why you guys all got silent? And their fucking D-League baseball team beat yours in 1937? Fucking maniacs. It's a film by the Coen brothers. 
Never mind. Let's go with the Crom Comedy Festival. John Michael Bond. Here we go. We're good as Gabbard, ladies and gentlemen. Am I saying your last name right? Uh, it's Gavart, but Gavart. I'm used to it. Don't worry. Cool, man. Unsolved mysteries. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna take that. Say that. Why wouldn't you? Good, right? James Fritz, ladies and gentlemen. I get unsolved mysteries. You get a Bob's Burgers. A mouth of burgers? <laughs> Bob's Burgers. You fucking ignoramus. I don't have that. Is that on Hulu? Alright, we're gonna try Is that on Hulu minus? <laughs> too many words. Too many yeah. words. Uh, the Wiggles. Alright. Who wants to hear? Get back here. There's a process. You were not. Oh, uh, you had me, got me, and lost me at the Wiggles. <laughs> Who wants to hear Bob's Burgers? Who wants to hear some kids get fucked? The Wiggles. Yes! Omaha, Nebraska, y'all. Take that with you. Finally, Mr. Cockney. Yeah. Kyle. <laughs> Kyle, your first option is MASH. MASH? Mm -hmm. I fucking hate MASH. <laughs> Oh, God, what's this next one? All right. <laughs> Julia Child. Well, Julia Child porn, if you know what I'm saying. Huh? Who wants to hear MASH? Yeah! All right, why don't you suggest it so you have to clap for your own boring <laughs> Andy Sell in the back, ladies and gentlemen. Julia Child it is. Kyle Kinane. Tear for all of your round two competitors. Ready for a little round two action? Who's ready, round two? Who do we got? Mr. Goodrich Gilbart? Yes, I got it right! Goodrich Gilbart, nailed it. Clap your hands. Uh, this one goes out to Robert Stack, you guys. Taken before his time. <laughs> what if you had a pussy that couldn't be filled? A hole that quivered and ached for cock upon cock but never felt quenched. <laughs> What if your pussy could talk and it said, Feed me, Seymour, feed me. <laughs> what if you were also extra horny for murder? <laughs> Tonight, we'll tell the story of an unsolved mystery, and we hope you can help. <laughs> the whole thing. Okay. Llewellyn Seymour lived in Topeka, Kansas, and had a pussy that pleaded for cock. She would put up ads in her community bulletin board that read, have a cock? I need you. <laughs> Llewellyn would organize fuck parties at her house to fun to feed her thirsty pussy. How many cocks could her pussy handle? Forensic evidence leads authorities to believe that upwards of 14 cocks <laughs> were inside Llewellyn's pussy at any given time. According to police reports, at some point, the cocks wouldn't satisfy. And she turned to the book of Murder Sutra. <laughs> Authorities found 14 cockless men bleeding to death in Llewellyn's suburban Tudor home. No cocks were found, nor any weapons designed for decocking. <laughs> Llewellyn is thought to be on the run and extremely dangerous. Authorities say her neighbor was the last person to see her. Osmo Malone and Llewellyn had run out of her house and she's naked and she had like a bunch of ding-dongs hanging out of her cooch. It's like some sort of downstairs mohawk, dude. It was fucking trippy. But you 
know, to each their own. I was like, hey, morning, neighbor. That was a full quote. That's a good journalist. We are on the lookout for a 1972 Lincoln Continental with Kansas vanity plate that reads H-N-G-R-Y, the number four, C-O-C-K. She is a blonde woman, five foot four, 135 pounds. She is naked and has cocks all in her pussy. If you see her, call the Unsolved Mysteries hotline and make sure you or your loved ones don't answer any ads that read, have a cock, I need yours. That gangbang could be their last. Thank you very much. Child's beef, boar, pork, and yum. And then just some dirty phrases I wrote on this paper. One six ounce piece of chunk bacon, three and a half tablespoons of olive oil, three pounds lean stew beef cut into two inch cubes. Yeah, girl. One onion sliced, salt and pepper, two tablespoons of flour, three cups red wine, young and full body. That's my girl Julia talking. <laughs> three cups of beef stock. Eat that pussy like it's a pumpkin pie that's about to go bad tomorrow. <laughs> two cloves of mashed garlic, one half teaspoon of thyme, one bay leaf crumbled. Twenty small white onions, that's in addition to the one large onion you're gonna put in there. Three and a half tablespoons of, but tablespoons of butter, an herb bouquet, you can make that one up yourself. <laughs> one pound of fresh mushrooms quartered, I love mushrooms. <laughs> Suck a dick like you got a Brussels sprout stuck in your throat and the only thing that's gonna save you is a hot cock Heimlich maneuver. <laughs> oven to 450 degrees. <laughs> remove the bacon rind and cut into lardons. Uh, and remind, it rhymes with hard-ons, but that's easy. <laughs> Sticks quarter inch thick and one and a half inches long. Another joke about hard-ons if they're not real big. Kind of writes itself. <laughs> Simmer, ride, lardons. <laughs> it's funny. And for 10 minutes and uh, uh, one and a half quarts of water. Drain and dry. Yeah. <laughs> Titty so big and aggro, aggro like a mama gorilla. That's it. <laughs> Heat fat and casserole until almost smoking. Dry beef and paper towels. <laughs> now it's all coming together. I didn't even plan it. Like that. Dry beef and paper towels. It will not brown it if it, if it is damp. Yeah. <laughs> Add beef a few pieces at a time. That's how you don't want to jump, put all that beef in there right away. <laughs> Saute until nicely browned on all sides. Yeah. Add it to the lardons and the same fat brown the sliced vegetables. Pour out the excess fat. <laughs> Fuck the ass and then kiss the butthole. It's called giving the dog a bone and then giving the cat a bath. <laughs> Stir in wine and 
two and three cups of stock, just enough so that the meat is barely covered. The meat is done when a fork pierces it easily. <laughs> Easy, Julia. I'm just gonna pick out the fun phrases of this recipe. Add onion, saute over modern heater on. Be careful not to break their skins. That's good. That's just good advice. Wipe out skillet. Sometimes you just get that little dribbly bit of cum like it's art glue and other times it just blows right out of you like your travel toothpaste when you're traveling and you, you're in a, like a higher elevation than normal and you're, you're like, I'll just brush my teeth and like, oh shit, Aquafresh, calm down. I'm gonna wanna brush my teeth again today, you know? Pour that sauce over the meat and vegetables. <laughs> Cover and simmer two to three minutes, basting the meat and vegetables with the sauce several times. <laughs> Serve in a casserole or arrange stew on a platter surrounded with potatoes, noodles, or rice, and decorated with parsley. My safe word is don't stop putting that cactus in my trash can. Bon appetit. Ladies and gentlemen. Just getting it to, uh, to a gentleman's height. Sorry about that. That fell down. Fucking karma. Alright, I'm not a strong reader. I gotta start by saying that. I do that every time I suck at reading, so bear with me. Uh, it was another long day at work. Lionel just wanted to get home to his wife, his world, his queen, Shitara. They had met just before his show got picked up when he was at his cat lowest. <laughs> he was out giving cat paw jobs for Nip and could barely look at himself in the puddle. He had a problem and Chitara found him at his lowest point. She was his everything. It took a long time for him to get home. He got uh, sidelined at the shoelace store. <laughs> it was... <laughs> He was hung up for a minute, but uh, nothing out of the norm. He figured it would be another day. You know, he would just get home, do the cute little kitty shuffle into his old cardboard PBR box that he had sent at home, <laughs> eat a nice, perfectly sauced bowl of nine lives, and have weird, prickly cat dick sex with his wife. Cats have a prickly dick. <laughs> he figured they'd just have another mess of babies that the vet could sit on for three weeks and then inject them all to their deaths. But as he sauntered through the doggy door to get home, he noticed what he thought was athletic tape laying on the ground. Hmm, Chitara must have tweaked her ankle, he thought. He walked in to his old PBR box and he went downstairs. Or there was nowhere to be found in the old PBR box. He went downstairs to his old pillow in the corner, uh, just before his litter box, and just after his, furniture, his favorite furniture place to drag his arms up. And he saw what appeared to be a mess of blue dreadlocks nailing and plunging Chitara's skunk guts, and she was loving every second of it. He busted her. How could you lay with that man on our waterbed? I got you that waterbed for spring break ten years ago when I met you, and you're gonna fuck Mumra on our waterbed. 
Now Lionel was on his third strike, so he knew he couldn't really do anything to Mumra. So he had to let Mumra leave like the gentleman gangster that he was. He stopped to yell at Chitara, How could you do that in our house? She said, quiet down, the neighbors will hear. He goes, good, I want the neighbors to hear. This marriage has been going south for a long time, and I hope they know everything that there is to know about it. And she stopped, she got mad at him, yelled a little bit, and he goes, yeah, get out of here. That's why I pee in your shampoo every month. <laughs> Lionel threw in a Boy Meets World DVD because that was the only thing that could calm his shit down. <laughs> He always loved that Topanga, just like everybody else. He thought to himself, man, she's a weird-looking hot, but really hot all the time. <laughs> and just as he was going to give himself a prickly, weird, cat-dick paw job, Sean came onto the screen, and Lionel couldn't help but get furious at Sean every time, not for his character, but for his name. Who would name their goddamn kid Ryder Strong, he thought to himself. <laughs> It almost ruined his weird, prickly, cat, weird, kitty boner. But it didn't, and he pawed himself out one of the cutest kitty loads he'd ever seen. No matter what he did, he couldn't get, he couldn't get the thought of Chitara out of his mind. And next to him, he saw laying his loaded 9mm. And next to that, he saw laying the wet bowl of nine lives that he also craved earlier. And we have to say that Lionel ate a bullet for dinner that night. You can get the whole series of Thundercats and Boy Meets World both on iTunes. Thank you very much. Todd Jordan, going dark. Fritz? James Fritz, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know, you guys. Um, as a parent, I worry about what our children watch. I thought, oh, oh, it's a kids program, it's normal, it's Republican, it's good. I thought that. It's for kids, why would they do this? But, uh, I was supposed to come up here and tell some silly dick and pussy stuff. But as a parent, I... No, compelled to say... I didn't know about these wiggles. These... Human wiggles. Turns out... According to, uh... Wikipedia. <laughs> They're Australian. Dark stuff. That's not a knife, that's not a country. I say.
were originally called the cockroaches. Cute, right? No. They were called the cockroaches, again, this is all the internet. And in 1908, the infant daughter of Cockroaches band member Paul Field died of SIDS and the group disbanded. <laughs> they then became the Wiggles because that's the name that comes to mind when you watch a child die of SIDS. like a cockroach, but Wiggles is more accurate. Yeah, Lenore, boy, Wiggles. Sids again. They all get the sits. We're focusing too much on the band, not enough on parenting and keeping the milk refrigerated. It's Australian. It's a monster country. they're fucking opportunist. I also learned these Wiggles characters. Opportunist, they come, all right, Australian children's band. Ooh, that shouldn't be legal. It's like, we want to skin Nelly for pelts for rides in our futuristic death cars. I've seen movies. I know Australia. Turns out, you know when the Wiggles broke in America? Also, according to Wikipedia, the Wiggles, quote, strong connection with the, U with the U.S. was, quote, again, forged in the shell-shocked weeks after the terrorist attack on New York City in 2001. Who are these Wiggles? Now, are you getting it? It's four dudes. Oh, what sets them apart? Yellow shirt, purple shirt, red shirt, blue shirt, false flag. I know this was supposed to be a sex piece. <laughs> but if you guys don't know by now that the Wiggles are fucking you... <laughs> and I don't know what I can do. I don't know... <laughs> Wiggles, please. You know what I mean? I ruined it. Send it to the children. Let them learn. <laughs> All right, John Michael, where are you at, buddy? John Michael Bond. Clap your hands for your final competitor. Crom Comedy Festival. <laughs> it had been rainy. It had been a rainy spring in Omaha, Nebraska. 
But for Scarlet Rogers, reason dry spell had left her corn in need of shucking. <laughs> a flood of $3 drinks couldn't change the harsh reality that Nebraska's handsome men no longer filled her with lusty fire. She screamed out to God in need. Suddenly, a light exploded in front of her. Sparkles filled the air. And the angel Gabriel stood before her. He shouted out, Scarlet, the Lord has heard your cry. What is your desire? She said, I just want to watch a bunch of men who are like white, 20 to 30 pounds overweight, uh, bearded, uncomfortable in bed, and attached to flannel shirts like a four-year-old who never stopped nursing. Fuck each other. <laughs> but where, God, will I find such men? <laughs> well, Scarlet, you're in luck. The Crom Comedy Festival is coming to town. Could you change my, pe or my, my, my wish to world peace then? Gabriel said, uh, no, your wars are like Breaking Bad for God. Uh, just a big fan of genocide. Uh, your wish will come true, however, this Friday. But as a gift, the Lord has opened all of their hearts. Oh yes, your lusty dreams will come true. On Friday, Scarlet couldn't contain her fantasies. Maybe they'll smell like whiskey and cry at replacement songs. <laughs> she began to get wet when there was a sudden knock at the door. It was 10 a.m., who the hell could it be? Scarlet opened the door to a sight she couldn't believe. A hundred scruffy men stood before her. It was as if aliens had abducted all the guys from the 1997 Warp Tour and brought them back to modern, to modern day as Warp Tour dads. Really, an AFI shirt, she thought. Uh, at the front of the line stood two women. Uh, we're the Petterpaws, we're here to film. They set up their camera. Then one by one, the men walked in, their shirts melting off in a heavenly glow. With a bellowing cry of, So I was smoking weed one time! The men began to dryly hum and rub one another. A man in a sleeveless shirt arrived. Alright guys, this is IDT. Uh, the 7 o'clock boners, get over here. You got 8 minutes. If you run the light, you're fucked, okay? We're running that tight ship tonight. Our ships are as tight as our friendship. Brotherhood! And 8 examples of sisterhood, I guess. Um, with a deft swiftness, penises were whipped out and presented with the loving terror of a first open mic. Love... Lust exploded in scarlet, her fingers dancing over the once dusty mausoleum of her womanhood. <laughs> Fuck all of you. Uh, <laughs> her fingers knocking her clit down like the towers. What do you want? All right. The 9 and 10 p.m. groups showed up and went up, wetly spearing and exploding one another uh, with a scream of... <laughs> Hey, guys, come do a show in my scene. It was very, very polite. It was glorious. But Scarlet realized her fantasy was missing something. Then she realized 
what prom was really about. She prayed, God, I made a mistake. These men don't want each other. They just want their God. Suddenly, Ian Douglas Terry reappeared and the line of men reformed. Single file, they fell before him, screaming out, his, out their names, and they sucked on IDT's bone. Tonight, his marrow was a match for all donors. When the line was finished, the Petterboss sisters screamed out, But what of Ian's God? From the pile of flannel shirts balled up on the floor, Sorry, oh, the pile of flannel shirts on the floor bubbled and twitched, and outstretched a slime hand, or slimy hand, covered in grit and grime. The song Night Moves played through everyone's soul. And out erupted Kyle Kinney, born from the laundry's womb. He walked up to Ian and pulled down his cutoff jorts. Kinane handed him a dress shirt. Tonight, leave the sleeves on. <laughs> Scarlet's legs began to quiver. Beneath the Parkinson's DJ scratching, harshly delivered to her ones and twos. <laughs> Kinane and Ian made love with the considerate thoughtfulness of Cursive's ugly organ and the cat-like meowing of Bright Eyes' entire catalog. Kyle pulled out and bellowed, To me, my children! <laughs> one by one, up came all of the male comedians on the festival. And they went, sorry, they lined up in front of his other bald head. <laughs> and took their dose of his soft serve. Well, hard serve, but then soft serve. It was a lie. Scarlet came like the son of God, with the smell of goats and non-Christians surrounding her. <laughs> then, like it began, the night ended. The boys cleaned up their stains and said thanks as they left. Kyle apologized for basically everything. <laughs> and said he would put Scarlet on the list. <laughs> Finally, when the room was empty, Ian walked up to Scarlett and shook her hand. Look, I'm real sorry about this. I promise next year there'll be way more women on the festival. <laughs> That's it. Thanks, guys. Now I'm on the lawn. Sarah, here you Skitter with round two. Back up. Once again, I will remind you of what everybody wrote, and then you will be voting on a winner. Uh, we started with Goodrich Gavart with Unsolved Mysteries. Then, hold on, hold on. Then uh, Kyle Kinney with Julia Child, Sean Jordan with Thundercats, James Fritz with The Wiggles, and John Michael Bond with Crom Comedy Festival. So, with your applause, pick a favorite, starting from Goodrich Gavart, Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> Kyle Kinney, Julia Child. John Jordan, Thundercats. James Fritz, The Wiggles.
John Michael Bond Crime Comedy Festival. James Prince, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that was one of the most amazing sets I've ever seen on the show. One more time for James Prince. That does it for round two. To hear round one from this show, you can go back and download episode 122 right now. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. It's a big help, as are positive comments. For more details, you can follow me on Twitter, at Brian Cooking, or the show, at CE Fanfic. See you next time. Now leaving Nerdist.com. 